Welcome to the amazing history of sports. Hey, welcome back to Tahoe's podcast. I am Don DeRoos alongside Tommy Craig, and today we are going to be discussing the history of the college football national championship. That's right, Don. We're going to continue with our American football adventure series and dive into the long list of national champions. Most of you will be stunned to find out that the NCAA has never actually crowned a football champion. That and more on the amazing history of sports. Welcome back to the Tahoe's Podcast. The amazing history of sports. That is right. I am Don DeRoos. Sitting next to Thomas T.C. Gator Craig. How are you doing, Tommy? Donaldo, doing great today. How are you doing, buddy? Donaldo, we're back to Donaldo, huh? You betcha. <laughs> I thought we were long past that. <laughs> thought that was once every four years during the World Cup only, but uh, apparently not. Uh, Tommy's probably doing good because he, he picked the college national uh, championship matchup correctly, and it's going to be a segue here in a second to what we're talking about today, Tommy. Yeah, you know we got Alabama playing Clemson. Could be should be a good game round uh, round three. Well, round fourth time they're playing. Yeah, fourth time in the college football playoffs. Third time for the championship game. Yep. Should be a great great college football game. Super excited. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and for everybody that says they're tired of this matchup. You know, it's the best two teams. That's what I want to see every year. I don't care if it's the same two teams every year. It almost adds a little bit more interest. Y- yeah. I mean, honestly, intrigue. Yeah. It's like, honestly, I know, and I know you picked it, but I would have hated to watch Oklahoma play Alabama. You mean Clemson? Oklahoma. Play Clemson. Yeah. Clemson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'd much rather see the Bama Clemson matchup. I mean, it's going to be a better game for sure, but I was just more going out of limb. I didn't want to agree with you, you know? Disagree on a couple NFL uh, picks, and I got those right. But this one I did not get right. Congrats. You know, hey, credit we, where we, credit's we, due. We, I still have the national championship you know, opportunity to, to take that one as well, but we'll see what happens. Well, you still think Clemson, Clemson's going to win after watching? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do. I think, I, think just, I think just with the history of the series between the two teams, they, they know each other well enough that it's going to be one of those games that goes down to the last second. I, I think Clemson's got it this year. Dude, they are projecting three Clemson defensive linemen to go in the top 15 of the draft this year. That's, that's wild. That's nuts, dude. So I think they have a great chance of winning. I mean, they're, they're ranked first in just about every defensive category in college football right now. It's pretty insane. Yeah, it's, you, know, you, you know who's going to win. You know, if, if, Tua, if Tua does his thing, Alabama's going to win. If the defense can stop him, Clemson's going to win. For sure, for sure. Uh, happy New Year, everybody, obviously. Uh, hope everybody had a fantastic New Year's. I know I did, Tommy. Oh, it was very low-key and relaxing this year, but awesome nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, there was not much reason to get out in Denver this year. It was basically zero degrees last night. Frigid cold. Yes, very cold. And I was laughing because they kept, they kept referencing the New York uh, temperature, or New York forecast is freezing Freezing rain out there, and it was 47 degrees. I'm like, man, y'all should show the people in Denver, but there's probably nobody out there. They, they showed a shot of 16th Street Mall, and it was it's like normal traffic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wouldn't want to stand out in that cold. Yeah, no way, no way. Uh, 
But let's get to the show. We are uh, brought to you in affiliation with Belly Up Sports, bellyupsports.com. Go check them out, guys. You're going to be able to uh, find Thomas and I. We're going to be sharing our opinions like we have said before. Uh, follow them at Belly Up Sports on Twitter. Uh, yeah. Tommy, you got anything to add? No, let's uh, let's jump right in. So we're going to continue with the we're going to continue with the football theme here, and today we're going to be talking about the college football national championship. Yes, well, the yeah, the college football national championship, not the NCAA college football national championship, right? Yes, because fun fact for all of you <laughs> listeners out there, there is actually no official NCAA champion when it comes to uh, college football. They've never actually officially announced one. Well, yeah, they've never officially crowned their own champion. Champion. They've never put on a D1 college football tournament to establish a champion like they do in pretty much every other sport, Tommy. I mean, baseball, basketball, hockey, almost all of them have a NCAA-sanctioned event that decides the national champion. Yeah, it's the NCAA tournament. And to take this even further, for D2 NCAA college football, they have a tournament that that uh, crowns a national title, or national champion, I should say. Yeah, how many, uh, how, how deep is that playoff again? Yeah, we'll get into that. It is, uh, well, we'll save that later because people will probably be su- uh, surprised how many teams are actually in the D2 uh, tournament, and there's all this argument that they don't want to add more games to the D1, but that's a discussion possibly for later in the show. For now, uh, let's get to the roots of college football, where we're going to get started with the discussion of uh, national champion. Yeah, so the it is important to note here that between 1869 and 1925, there was actually not a champion that was recognized um, at the time. All of those championships that we're going to be talking about here uh, were actually backdated. Well, and even then, there's really no clear-cut champion for any of those years. Almost, almost every single year, there's publications that crown a different national champion. And, you know, even going back to 1869, the first ever year of college football, Tommy, there was two teams, and they, they played two games against each other, and they each won one. So, uh, and, and even then, there's publications that disagree on who is the national yeah, champion. Yeah, which one had a better win. <laughs> right? That's <laughs> basically what you're voting for at that point. Exactly. And so, you go through the years, and there's just not a lot of structure in terms of... There are conferences, but most of the play is interconference play. And we don't even have a bowl game until we get to 1901... Uh, when the first college football bowl game was ever played, of course it was the Rose Bowl. And this is part of the reason that the Rose Bowl holds so much, uh, you know, allure and prestige in the college football world. Yeah, er, what was it, Urban Meyer, <coughs> excuse me, Urban Meyer said that he wanted to win the Rose Bowl. That was one of the, the last things on his bucket list item. You know, it's, it's prestigious. It's, a, it's an honor to win the Rose Bowl, so. Yeah, even when it's not part of the uh, college football playoffs, in this case, you know, it's still a big deal to win the Rose Bowl. And they just won the Rose Bowl, actually. We're recording pretty much immediately after that game. And at the start of the Texas Longhorns game, hopefully they can, 
you know, shock the world, shock the, uh, keep the trend going of the Big 12 beating the SEC, Tommy. I'm hoping so. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Big 12 fan, but uh, screw Texas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> screw you. <laughs> All right, well, 1901. Uh, well, is there anything we want to mention before then real fast? No, I think the biggest thing to, to note is that it wasn't until, you know, and if you've listened to previous episodes on the history of football, it wasn't until 1912 that they, uh, that collegiate rules were, you know, playing under the modern rules. So there was still a lot of transformation and growth going on within college football to where it, it makes sense to why it wasn't recognized until the 20s and start, how they uh, didn't start crowning a champion until then. Yeah, the game was very much evolving still. 1906, the first season played under the IAAUS, which is now the NCAA. And yeah, like you said, 1912, the first year that they're actually playing under what we consider college football modern era rules. Yeah, you know, where you had four downs, you had six points for touchdowns, uh, the field was shortened to 100 yards, you know, basic fundamental uh, rules for the game. And yeah, obviously Walter Camp and John Heisman had a lot to do with this at the time. Yes. So if you've listened, if you've listened to our American football series, you obviously know that by now. So let's jump to 1926, which was the first year in which there was a conscious effort by the NCAA to crown and recognize a national champion. Yeah. So going into the year, they wanted to put the two best teams in the country against each other in a bowl game. In this case, ended up being the Rose Bowl, obviously. And they got the two best teams at the time, Stanford, who was undefeated, 10-0, Alabama, 9-0. And they played in the Rose Bowl, and this was essentially, at the time, everybody uh, agreed that this is pretty much going to decide the national champion this year. Right, Tommy? Yeah, everybody was stoked. Everybody was pumped that, hey, we're going to be able to have a, you know, have somebody with the crown. And then... The unthinkable happened. Yeah, they played to a 7-7 tie. Maybe the most exhilarating Rose Bowl game <laughs> of all time, huh? Yeah, so we still, obviously there's no overtime back then. We still don't have a champion after putting together an effort to crown one this year. And we should talk about the, the Dixon system. Frank G. Dixon had a lot to do with 1926 uh, being the year that they're going to try to crown a national champion. Yeah, so the Dixon system is a... Basically, it's a mathematical point system used to crown the national champion. And what it... The, the system basically gave points um, as credit to the to the teams that, that were participating in the, in the games throughout the year. So if you're playing against a difficult opponent and you won, you would get 30 points. If you're playing against a lesser opponent and you won, you would get 20 points. And then in a loss to a, uh, a, a better opponent, you would get 15 points. In a loss to a lower or lesser opponent, you would get 10 points. And so at the end of the year, the teams with the most points would play for the championship. Yeah, definitely. He was an economist at the University of Illinois, so he knew what he was doing when it came to numbers. And it's, it's pretty awesome that back then the NCAA started using numbers to, to try to figure out who was the best team, being that they didn't have a lot of interconference play back then. Yeah, and he wanted to uh, you know, help rank, what is it, the Big Nine? I don't know, Big, Big Ten? Yeah, well, Big Ten now, Big Nine back then. 
Yeah, that's what it was originally created for, to rank the teams in the Big Nine, University of Illinois being in the Big Nine at the time. Yeah, within the conference, and then they said, hey, this is a, this is a pretty good way, to, way yeah. to, to settle this whole dispute. And, you know, the, the battle has continued, and it, it has, never, has never stopped as far as what's the right way to crown a champion. Obviously, you know, in the last 20 years, there's been, you know, what is it, three or four different systems in place uh, to try to crown a national champion, so this is this is no uh, no easy feat, no easy task to uh, to overcome. Yeah, and obviously they didn't have computers back then to get this down to an exact science, so they had to do exactly what you what you explain a much more simplified point system to to figure all this out. So so they got this they got this system in place, and then a few years later, uh, nineteen thirty six to be exact. The Associated Press begins polling sports writers to rank teams. And the Associated Press is still around today. This is the AP poll, in case you don't know what AP stands for. It's the Associated Press. They gather sports writers throughout the entire country to vote on who they think the best team is. They, they basically vote on their top 25. Yeah, you know, there was, I believe it's 65 sports writers and column, columnists um, participates in the AP poll, and it's pretty simple as far as the scoring goes. If you're ranked number one, you get 25 points. If you rank them 25, you get one point, and goes in the inverse order all the way through. Yep, and this is, you know, the whole idea of this is that we have a group of unbiased people that are watching pretty much every college sports game throughout the entire year, and for that reason, they they should be able to rank the top 25 teams and you get you get a collective group of that and we average it out and that's how we're going to decide who who's the number one team in the country so they're still using the point system though to to rank who's the national champion at this time but alan j gold comes on and creates the associated press and now all of a sudden the ncaa sees this as possibly another way to incorporate incorporate ranking for the national champion yep and so we move forward a couple of years uh, to 1950, and then the United Press creates the first coaches poll. Yep, the coaches poll is created in 1950, and you know I said a second ago the NCAA using it to to recognize their national champion, but it was more that the public trusted the AP poll. Yeah, they accepted it as the the official, and I use air quotes, you can't see me, but you know the official voting system. Yeah, and so if you look back at games way back when, you had teams, if they just won their last game, they would finish the year undefeated. If they were already number number one in the AP poll, they would end up being the national champion a lot of times. Uh, and this is, you know, we didn't always have a scenario in which we had the top two teams playing in the bowls at these times. Yeah. It just worked out that way in 1926. Yeah. And when we say that the, yeah, I just want to provide a little bit of clarity. When we say that the NCAA recognizes, you know, the national champion, what they're doing is they're picking an organization who selected a national champion and recognizing them. So, for example, you know, in, in modern day, uh, the CFP, the college football uh, playoffs, is the organization that is selecting the champion, and that's who the NCAA uh, chooses to recognize. So, you know, back in the day, uh, for example, the NCF is the organization that's recognized uh, for the first, you know, 20 or 30 or so uh, national champions as the organization. So although there were uh, plenty of people who backdated 
uh, national champions. The NCAA only recognizes a select few. So, for example, from 1936 to 1949, the AP vote is uh, the only organization that's recognized for national champions. Very well put. Very well summarized, Tommy. (laughs) So let's go back to 1950. We got the coaches poll that's created. And interestingly enough, the first four years of the the coaches poll coming coming into play, they agreed with the AP poll on who is the national champion. So again, now you have a competitor to the AP poll, and if they both agree on who's the national champion, then all the more reason to you know, accept that, right? Yep. And then for those four years from 50 to 54, the NCAA recognized both of them, the AP and the UPI as the, uh, the selecting organizations. And then that's where things get interesting in 1954 when there is a disagreement between uh, the AP and the UPI. So they finally disagree in 54. Like you said, after four years of agreeing on the national champion, the AP poll picks Ohio state, the coaches poll picks UCLA, and the NCAA, Tommy, recognizes both of them as national titles or national champions. Shared. Shared. So this is just silly at this point, right? We need a game to decide this, but it's going to be some time before we get to that. Yeah, and I mean, and you have the whole East Coast, West Coast bias going on even back then, you know, so having a poll just didn't make sense, you know, is that is being the exclusive way you had to have some way for these teams to compete. Only thing that made sense. And the coaches poll, pretty self-explanatory. They're polling the coaches in the NCAA to vote on their top 25 teams. This is, I would say, pretty unbiased, but... I would say coaches are going to give their conference probably the nod if they think two teams are pretty pretty evenly ranked because being that you may hate your rival, if they're in your conference, you really do want them uh, to be ranked higher because it, it makes your schedule look harder and so on and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that's crazy about having multiple polls and, you know, organizations that recognize it is they may have, you know, their number one, two and three mixed up, you know, where, you know, one one organization has the one and three playing and the other has the one and two playing. So they may recognize the championship differently if the one loses against the three and then the two wins the other game, then they may recognize them as the champion. It's just this whole hodgepodge, you know, of confusion <laughs> that yeah. can happen. And, you know, it, it, it kind of sucks. Indeed. Well, so we got polls decided the national champion. I think this is a good way or a good spot to take a quick break. And then we're going to get into the bowl series starting out and how we, we start to move towards a, a single game to decide the national champion. So, We'll, we'll be right back after this short break. Hello, Tahoe's faithful. Welcome to the break of the show. Today, Tommy and I are going to be sharing some personal information with you. Yes, today we're going to talk about some uh, some embarrassing sports moments that we've had. In, yeah, growing in, up, huh? Yeah, growing up, you know, in our uh, in our short-lived sports careers. Yeah, I mean, I almost went pro in a few different sports, but it didn't happen. I mean, I don't know about you, but 
you know, play, play a little college ball here and there, you oh, know, yeah. a little, little college football, but nothing, nothing paid or professionally. Well, so should I start or should you start? I think you should start. Oh, okay. I'm, well, I'm curious to hear about this. Well, probably the most embarrassing sports moment I had growing up was, I should first start off by saying that I was a primarily a hockey and golfer, hockey player and a golfer growing up. However, I did play almost every sport growing up, as many of us did, and I played baseball for quite a while, and I kind of knew my baseball career was coming to an end when this happened, and uh, <laughs> I don't know exactly what age, early teens, getting into kid pitch when kid pitch was starting to get a little bit more difficult, they're starting to learn how to put a little bit of curve on the ball, throw it a little faster, obviously, so... The embarrassing moment, I was I was up to bat, and this kid threw a curveball. I definitely thought it was about to hit me, so I ducked out of the way, uh, so much so <laughs> to where I ducked to the ground, only to hear the umpire yell, Strike! <laughs> oh my and, god, that's mortifying. Oh, yes, very much so, and... I, that was definitely, that was not, if it wasn't my last season, it was my second to last season of baseball, and mortifying is definitely a good word, because I was probably just red-faced standing up there for the next strike or two just to get out. And I, I don't think people understand how difficult it is to hit a baseball. Yeah. One, of, one of my buddies played, uh, played a little college ball, a little community college, and uh, you know, Division three stuff, and I tried to... Shout I, out Vinny. I tried to... <laughs> Vinny and Jory. Uh, yeah, and I, I tried to hit Jory one time and forget it. There's there, there's just no chance. <laughs> yeah, once I start throwing over like 70, you know, that's when I know it's time to retire. And, you know, I played hockey, you know, at uh, select levels and whatnot growing up. But, you know, a, a puck can be coming at that same speed and I'll get in front of it to block it. But it's just different. Baseball, you got no, no padding and it just really hurts. If you haven't been hit with a baseball... It hurts. Oh, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Baseball, baseball, baseball. Talking baseball. <laughs> dodges, dodges. So, uh, so, so my, what you got, dude? Yeah, my embarrassing story. So, you know, growing up, primarily played baseball, football, and uh, did a little bit of pole vaulting and track while I was in uh, while I was in high school. Oh, so, wow. look at you, jack of all trades, huh? Yeah, Christian you know, McCaffrey over right, here, huh? Doing everything. You oh, know, okay. ran it, ran in track, did some shot put, disc throw. Um, you know, it uh, didn't work out well. Obviously, didn't uh, didn't go pro in any of them, but you know, so had fun nonetheless. So it was my uh, eighth grade year. I just started playing basketball. My uh, uh, my coach at the time was also my economics teacher, and uh, he he recruited every kid that he could to play basketball. Is and that so relevant to the story? That it's he's an economics teacher. It it was pretty relevant, you know. Okay. If, well, anybody going. listening to this who knows Mr. Zender, they're gonna know exactly who I'm talking about. So he's an economics professor, much like not uh, professor. No, he eighth oh. grade, eighth grade. This okay. is like beginning life skills. I was here. gonna reference uh, Frank Dixon so, from the episode. <laughs> no, definitely not not on Frank Dixon Dixon's level. Um, My bad. But uh, but yeah. So anyway, so uh, so he recruited me, started playing basketball. 
basketball, and I had an awful shot. When I would shoot he, the basketball, he recruited you? Recruited me, yeah. You know, Did he it come was, to your house? Yeah, it had a whole pitch with parents and everything. It wow. was pretty legit, you know? In eighth grade, this sounds, <laughs> this sounds spectacular. For a non-competitive eighth grade league, nonetheless. You're, you must be on that ESPN Plus documentary. I got a 30 athlete, for 30 huh? coming up. Oh, okay. Get ready for it. All right, cool. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> yeah, we're, the build-up the build here, right? So it's, so it's my first season. My shot was awful. When I used to shoot the ball, I had no spin on it. It would just, like, float in the air because I would kind of use, like, both hands because I didn't know how to shoot style, it. Uh, it was probably – Alonzo Ball probably looked beautiful compared to mine. <laughs> and, you know, and this, That's again, this is, your, yeah, this is your first time playing, you know, don't, no idea how to shoot the ball. So um, I'm in my first league, and it's, like, our second or third game. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm playing football style at this point. You know, I'm just running in, just being a savage. Um, but I keep getting fouled and I go to the free throw line and I miss my first two and I'm, I'm bummed. I'm pissed off. How at this bad point. air balls? No, they weren't air balls. They were just, okay. they were just clank bricks. off the rims. Yeah. It was right. just bricks. Yeah. So then I get fouled again, go for two more shots, miss them. And then the second half starts and we're neck and neck with this team. And we go, we go in, I ended up missing four additional free throws. Okay, so I'm 0 for 8 at this point. Oh, god! And uh, I get the ball. It's So about were you known as a good free throw shooter at practice at all or no, just so-so? No, no, oh, no, no. Okay. I wasn't. I mean, I, I probably was like 50, maybe 60%, you know, okay. Shaq status. Enough to make some free throws, yeah. but not good enough to be consistent, right? So I get, the, I get the ball, you know, with like eight seconds left to dribble down the court. And I go in for this layup and basically missed it at the buzzer, but I got fouled. And we're down by one at this point. All I have to do is make one to tie it, push it into overtime, make the second one to miss it, uh, or make the second one, we win the game. I have this chance to be a hero. Completely airball the first one. Oh, man. Screwed it up. So now the pressure's on. The entire gym, you know, of like 16 parents are looking at me, and, you know, I'm, I'm nervous as hell. And I shoot the second one, airball it as well. Ooh, <laughs> we ouch. lose we lose the game by one point i went over 10 on free throws that's mortifying as well the dude. worst feeling at the end of the game knowing that you single-handedly lost it for your team was the worst most embarrassing thing i've ever gone through you are one pathetic loser <laughs> i was thinking the same thing afterwards man while we're at it with basketball and embarrassing stories huh now, tommy and i we played on a team Sponsored team at that, huh? Out here in old Colorado. <laughs> Sponsored by Gebhart Motors. Shout out Gebhart Motors. And we, uh, you know, we wanted to compete. There was two leagues, competitive league and leisure league. But we decided we wanted to compete, right, Tommy? Oh, Donnie, Donnie, one of the most competitive guys I know. Oh, he was ready truly. for it. Yeah, so we signed up for the competitive league. First game, Real nail biter. I think it ended up being like 56, 57, 56, 58. Real nail biter. We lost, but we walked out of there. You know, we missed a few shots. We can definitely hang in this league, right? I mean, no big deal. <laughs> no big deal at all. We were ready. Yeah, well, we weren't ready. We we would then get blown out by probably an average of, what, 35 points a game after that? Well, easily. Yes. <laughs> easily. <laughs> and, you know, I remember one game in particular – the team had 99 points. I think we had around like 58, 60, something like that. Anyways, they inbounded with about 10 seconds left. Guys going up for a layup, try to get a hundo. And 
I wasn't having any of it. Donnie, just, Donnie just laid this guy out. Yeah, basically. Just laid him out. And then continued to talk smack afterwards in the dude's face when he just blatantly was a huge Richard. And, of course, they're not going to shoot free throws at the end of the game when it's already a 40-point blowout. So they got 99 on us, but we were not about to let them get 100. No, so. it wasn't going to happen. Well, that, 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 whole, that whole year brought me back to that eighth-grade year. During the summer, we played in the AAU League here in Colorado. Oh, so <clears throat> these are all the kids who have been playing, you know, basically since they can walk. They can all ball out. Half the kids can dunk. And you have this amateur team of, you know, kids who have never competed or have only played in like one rec league in their entire life. And I remember getting beat like 114 to 10. And I'm talking, you know, you're going up against trees. You know, I'm like five foot four and you've got six foot two eighth graders dunking on you. And there was just no chance of winning. It was the, the least fun I've ever had playing sports. Yeah, sports can be the most fun at times and also the most frustrating most make you really hate your life at times thing you know. the highs are highs and the lows are lows oh yes very much indeed and you know we really hope you enjoyed the break a look into you know our sports careers and uh you know just want to say real fast we see all y'all listening on the first and second day we dropped the episodes even after we took a long break we definitely appreciate that. Me and Tommy very much so appreciate it. So It gets me really excited in the mornings when I see that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Me too, man. So, yeah. Thanks. Welcome back to the second half of the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed the break. On the second half here, we're going to be talking about some of the modern day bowl formats, the Bowl Alliance Series, the BCS, and the college football playoff system in, uh, in an effort to try to make the fairest national championship game possible. Who is the fairest of them all, Tommy? That's what we're trying to decide. Not the BCS. Not the BCS, no. <laughs> Possibly none of these. But we, we need to go back to what what caused the Bull Coalition series to even uh, get the idea to get kicked off in the first place. Yes, you had the AP poll, the UPI poll, and a couple of other uh, USA Today poll, you know, kind of in between the 50s to the 90s. And in 1968, uh, something changed where they actually started voting for the champion, the AP poll. They started voting for the champion after the bowl games were played, which was smart because prior to that, it was just your uh, regular season champion that was crowned. Yeah, it seems self-explanatory, but this is, again, why you could have somebody playing their last game of the season, not against the number two team in the nation, and all they had to do was win, and obviously they would probably keep their spot atop the AP and coaches poll and UPI poll. Yes. So then you had, you know, over the years, uh, you had 1954, 57, 65, 1970, 73, 74, 78, 
1990 and 91, where there were co-champions, okay, uh, between the UPI poll or the AP poll or the USA Today poll or whoever else, whoever at the NCAA recognized there was uh, multiple champions on multiple years. And when there were back-to-back champions in 1990 and 91, um, the, NCAA, the NCAA decided that um, there had to be a way to come up with a, uh, a championship series. Yeah, and you had a lot of, you had a lot of uh, scenarios where you didn't have the top two teams in the nation playing because you had conferences that had contracts with certain bowls. Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think only six times ever during the uh, AP poll era had the one in, number one team and the number two team actually played in the game. So you never actually had the you know, top teams playing against each other, which made it hard to have a consensus winner. Exactly. And so thus, we, thus comes 1992. We get the creation of the Bowl Coalition Series. This is the, this is the first series that will eventually transform into the BCS. Yep, and it was for, uh, formed through an agreement amongst the Division 1A programs in the purpose of forcing a national championship game. Um, and so because the national champion and the number two team had only played a few times, they wanted to, you know, get as many conferences involved and try to come up with a, you know, come up with a legit series. So in the Bull Coalition, you had the SEC, the Big Eight, the SWC, the ACC, and the Big East conferences, as well as the independent Notre Dame. And the SWC is a Southwest Conference. Many of those teams are in the Big 12 now, but they were called the Southwest Conference back then. And interestingly enough, they're part of the reason that this bowl coalition series would not end up lasting longer than three years. Yeah, and the <clears throat> kind of the, some of the problems that they had with the bowl coalition series was they failed to keep things simple. Uh, the format was very, very, very confusing to to find the champion. People, some people thought it was unfair. Um, and ultimately, it, it led to its demise, um, and also because the Southwest Conference was dissolving after the 1995 season. Um, another issue that they had was that the Pac-10 and the Big Ten were not participants in this because they were contractually um, obligated, uh, obligated to play the Rose Bowl. Yeah, so in 1995, the Bowl Alliance Series is created. They snatch up the Sugar Bowl, the Orange Bowl, and the Fiesta Bowl, and these would be their featured bowls that they would put their top two teams against to decide a national champion. They would also, they would try to get, you know, the top six teams playing against each other in one way or the other. That, that wouldn't always work out because you still had conferences that were contractually obligated to play in certain bowls. Yeah, and they, they tried to, you know, use the sugar, the orange, and the fiesta bowl as the, to make the, you know, the Alliance series this spectacular, this, you know, new revolutionary way of doing things. And they, you know, hyped it up by uh, having games on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and January 2nd. And that was uh, from 95 to 97 when each one of those games played. And so the Bowl Alliance series, they were they were accused of being biased on who they were who they were ranking or who they were putting in their bowl matchups. And one instance in particular, they snubbed uh, uh, BYU, who had had an undefeated season, and they did not get a chance to play in one of the top bowl games to to decide the national champion. And the Bowl Alliance series starts actually getting some heat from from Congress in uh, in violation of antitrust laws, basically. 
and which is crazy. And the thing about this was that was still wild. At the end of the day, the team who won uh, would retain to be declared as the national champion via the coaches' poll. The AP poll kept its autonomy. And so they didn't waver in their decision after the bowl games, you're saying? Well, they, they still use their own vote, <laughs> essentially, and could change it you know, based on the results of the games. I got you. So they might they might crown their number three the number three team in the Bowl Alliance series rankings as their national champion, depending on what happened in those games. Yeah, and that's what happened in 1997. The AP announced Michigan as the national champion, and the coaches' poll uh, picked Nebraska because of the way that uh, the teams played and how they had them ranked in the regular season. So um, again, not an effective way. You still had two teams winning the national championship at that point, which they had to had to find a way to uh, get rid of this once and for all. So comes the BCS. Well, and in the Bowl Alliance series, you still didn't have the Pac-10 or the Big Ten involved. Oh, yeah, that's it's so super you, important. <laughs> so you, you don't have two of the, you know, the Power Five conferences even uh, Your USC's, your Ohio State's. Exactly. Pens, I mean, all these Michigan. major. Yeah, all these big, big teams that... You know, obviously with Michigan <laughs> winning, um, you know, it's, it didn't make sense. So in 1998, the, the BCS, the Bowl Championship Series, is created. It is the successor of the Bowl Alliance, and it, is, it, it gains popularity because they begin using a combination of human polls as well as math or computers, if you will. Yeah, the human polls basically, for the most part, now it kind of, the formula changed between 1998 and 2013, but uh, for the most part, it was generally speaking about two-thirds of the votes um, or the the, the weightedness of the system would go towards the polls, and then the mathematics systems would hold about a third of the weight. And they primarily use the AP poll, correct? Yes. And so they had the Sugar Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Rose Bowl, finally, and the Orange Bowl, these would be their feature bowls in the BCS. And these are the ones that, if you're in your 20s or 30s, these are the ones you probably grew up watching. These are the ones that you remember the most probably deciding the national champion growing up. And this was from 1998 to 2005. And then in 2006, they finally established an actual BCS national championship game. Yes, you know, before that it was the AFCA National Championship trophy that was given to the uh given to the winner. Well, and they would play in the Rose Bowl or the Orange Bowl or whichever bowl it was that year for the National Championship. But now they they basically switched it to where they had five bowls, one being the BCS National Championship game. Yep. Which they, just gives more, you know, more money. <laughs> it's yeah, a right. it's a money scheme as as is everything. Yeah, and you'll see that's probably the main reason that the NCAA is not going to create their own tournament because these bowls have the money to kind of persuade and control this right now. Yeah, and then and then what happened in 2003? 2003, this was the only year of the BCS that they did not agree with the AP poll on their national champion. Yeah, you had LSU and USC. Yeah, LSU beats OU in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, they they stomped them, I believe. I'd have to go back and look at the score, but just you know, just 
from OU's history, they get stomped in national championship games. That's <laughs> a fact. Look it up. Hook them. But so the, the like you said, the AP poll had USC as their number one team, um, following their Sugar Bowl win, and so this starts the debate of uh, maybe we need a maybe we need a playoff. And obviously, O three now hindsight, this is going to be some time before they get one. But all of these years that they had disagreements definitely helped uh, get traction to, to get a college football playoff. Yeah, and they, the, the way that the BCS system worked is, you know, there were, there were plenty of controversies as to who the top, te- the top two teams were. Um, and it's hard, to, it's hard to name two teams. You know, if you look at modern day, that we have a four-team playoff, and people are saying that's not enough and that it's inevitable that it'll be expanded to an eight-team playoff. So you can imagine the scrutiny that the BCS received every single year when crowning the champions. I mean, you have five major conferences, and you have to only pick two of them every year. It, um, you know, it's hard. Yeah, so we move forward to 04. This is going to be another controversial year. But first, this is another important year because the BCS makes the decision to replace the AP poll with the Harris poll. And the Harris poll works a little bit differently. The biggest thing is that they don't come out with preseason rankings, which I personally like because there's not as much bias on who was expected to be ranked this number going into the season. Instead, they wait till about halfway through the season in October to release their their, preseason. First rankings. Uh, yeah, obviously the Harris poll was designed specifically to, to help the playoff out, to help out the BCS. It was a final season ranking. It wasn't something that was supposed to be glorified like the, you know, the AP poll has been. And so in 04, another controversial year because, again, they put OU in the national title only to get stomped by USC in the 05 uh, Orange Bowl. Auburn was left out. They would finish the year undefeated, and uh, then again you had you had uh, debates on who was the national t- national champion. However, the AP poll and the BCS did agree that UC- USC was the national champion that year. Yep. But Auburn fans obviously would disagree, and I found it interesting that we go back to 2004, Tommy, and you have an SEC team getting left out for a Pac-10, and a Big 12 team. Yeah, that would, and, that would never happen today. Exactly. And it's just, it's just funny to see how the tides kind of change depending on which teams are, are considered the powerhouses of that time. I mean, right now the Big 10 and the SEC definitely get the most respect in all of college football. But back then, USC definitely gave the Pac-10 a lot of credibility, whereas now the Pac-10, Pac-12, whatever it is, you know, they don't, they don't have a. They haven't had a great team for a while. Yeah, they're they're ranked number five in the power conferences for sure. Yeah, undoubtedly. And just overall strength, for sure. But so so we have these years where of controversy where where it it, it heats up the debate of of we need some kind of college football uh, format to replace this. Yep, and so finally. Fans get what they they're looking for in 2014 with well, the sort of sort of sort of kind of a a better version of what they're looking for, you know, um, with a college football playoff, um, and this obviously replaces the BCS, and this is what 
um, you know, is used today. And it's still not a officially sanctioned championship event by the NCAA. However, again, they do recognize the CFP organization for their national champion. And now that we have four teams in it, everybody can agree that this is a better system than just having a one-game national championship to decide it all. Now at least some other teams get a chance, and we have had three and four seeds win the national title. I don't know about a three for sure, but Bama was a four, I believe, the year that they got in uh, when they lost. Who did they lose to in the SEC championship? Anyways, it's irrelevant. But, you know... Everybody everybody thinks that we should have six or eight teams or 16, whatever you think it should be. I think there should be more. I think it should be. I, th- I think it should be at least eight. I think I think the power conferences definitely re- deserve a repu- representative in it. Um, I'm not saying, necessarily saying that you have to have it, but to to get snubbed and to deal with this every year to where there are, you know, one or two teams on the brink who should be there, just given the opportunity, do eight, make it a three-week playoff, and and call it a day. Yeah, and so the how they rank their teams works a little bit differently. They have a 13-member committee that actually decides who who is ranked in the top 25. They also don't come out with their rankings until about halfway through the season. But you have 13 people deciding this. Many of these people are high representatives in a lot of these conferences. So they are put in a room, literally put in a room in Dallas, Texas, to basically duke it out and share their opinions on who they think should be, you know, most importantly ranked in the top four, but the whole 25. Yeah, and and each committee member served roughly a three-year-ish term. Some um, serve less, but... That's important, though, because then you can try to, you know, limit the bias, biasness in the, or biasy. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it, that and that's important because it's not the same people you can get rid of, you know, East Coast, West Coast bias, stuff like that. Um, so basically you have two semifinal games that rotate amongst the six biggest bowl games each year, which currently are the Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Orange Bowl, Cotton Bowl, Fiesta Bowl and Peach Bowl. And then the, you know, top four teams play. Um, in a playoff weekend, and then the top two teams come together um, and play in the college football national championship game, um, and obviously the winner is recognized as the college football playoff national champion. Yes, they are recognized by the NCAA, but they are not crowned by the NCAA, if you will. And and so obviously the debate of whether or not we should expand to more teams, the the argument against it many times is that they don't want to add more games to the schedule. And we say this because we're going to give a, give a quick peek into the Division II NCAA football tournament, which started in 1973, but it consists of 28 teams now. It has gone through some expansions, uh, some expansions itself, but this is a 28-team tournament. You have four regions of seven teams. The top team in each region gets a a first-round bye. So you're talking about an extra four games that you're going to play if you get a bye and an extra five games you're going to play if you don't get a bye if you make it to the national championship. And I don't know about you, it's obviously not as physical as D1 football, but it's still football. It's still college football. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems ridiculous to to say, hey, it's one more game. You know, the most, uh, I don't say most, a lot of players on these teams are going to go play in the NFL. If you ask any of these players if they're okay playing an extra game or two, they're probably not going to say no. 
unless you, you know, you're going to have your guys who are, you know, going to make it in the NFL and don't want to risk injury and stuff. And I get that. But, you know, for the most part, the majority of the players on a team are not going to be, you know, playing football past the college level. Let them play. Let them have fun. It'll also, you know, it'll also bring uh, more revenue in. You've got more games, betting, all that type of stuff. It's, it, it just makes sense to me. It'll happen sooner or later. Definitely. It's, it's exciting to see some of the changes that are happening in all of sports right now. We're kind of witnessing the, the change in, in a lot of these sports, and I think college football is going to be no different. I believe that we will see an expansion of this in the future, in the near future, but I definitely found it bizarre that the NCAA has just never, ever put on a tournament to recognize a D1 college football champion. It's, it's something I definitely knew, but it's just it's just bizarre when you really think about it that they do it for every every other sport. But for some reason, these bowls gained so much credibility and so much power over these years that they were able to kind of you know, build the system themselves. Yeah, but it for the fans, it, do, it makes no difference. Exactly. <laughs> to us, it's all the same thing. And as they continue to improve the system, you know, over the years, hopefully it becomes, you know, a, a perfect setup and is is fair, but... Uh, until then, we much appreciate you guys taking a listen to us. Um, you know, and as always, we love you. Happy New Year. Don, any last comments? Yeah, uh, subscribe. Leave us a review if you got some time. Follow us on Instagram at The Amazing History of Sports. We're on Twitter at Tahoe's Podcast. And if you have any ideas for us, also send them to us at Tahoe's Podcast at gmail.com. Once again, we are The Amazing History of Sports. Brought to you in affiliation with BellyUpSports.com. Like Tommy said, we love you. Bye. We're out. Thanks for listening. 